the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Hour number two, Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to have you along. Catch the podcast posted for you at TheAnswerDayton.com and 989TheAnswer.com, 94.5. Listeners uh, in the Dayton area, Western Ohio, appreciate you very much. Our number, 844-TALK-989, 844-TALK-989. My email is Bruce at SalemMedia.com, and my Columbus audience uh, well knows that, although the email's changed a bit since we added the Dayton market. It uh, looks like... uh, being a complainer profits a person immeasurably in the Columbus Police Department. Uh, a federal jury has awarded Police Lieutenant Melissa McFadden two. It says here two dollars. I don't think <laughs> the jury awarded McFadden two dollars in their judgment uh, of racial discrimination and retaliation. Uh, by the Division of Police following a trial four years in the making. Um, $2. Uh, She is black, filed a civil lawsuit in June of 2018 against the city of Columbus. Four-day trial uh, ended with the jury's verdict earlier this week. Uh, She complained about being reassigned to the property room in 2017 after filing a federal Equal Employment Opportunity Complaint uh, because she had been accused of creating a hostile work environment. So uh, this seems like uh, you win, but you lose because she got two bucks. Two. Not two million. Two. Uh, She was someone who was uh, a squeaky wheel in the police department, to say the least. Uh, Complaints against her alleged that she had fostered a, quote, black militancy mindset and an us-versus-them attitude when it came to black and white officers. I do not know uh, Lieutenant McFadden, and I don't know whether she did that or did not do that, but I will say as a matter of uh, general observation that Racism is uh, a revolving door in which many people walk through of all races. Uh, It is practiced, it is brandished against people of all races by people of all races. And if she got two bucks, it tells me that the federal court did not see much merit in what she was alleging happened to her. Now, there's much more to be read into. The results of primary elections, even though those primary elections did not take place in the state of Ohio. We had a spirited primary in May, spirited on the Senate side, Republican side of the Senate side, with J.D. Vance winning. J.D. was a guest on the show yesterday. You can catch that on the podcast. He will oppose Tim Ryan in the fall. 
Mike DeWine will run for governor in the fall re-election despite not getting a majority of votes, which is highly unusual for an incumbent governor with his name recognition and his robust campaign coffers. Mike DeWine offended a lot of Republican voters with the way that he governed during COVID. His nonsensical closing bars at 10 o'clock, his deference to Amy Acton and his other health officials uh, did not play well in rural Ohio. That is why Jim Renacci and Joe Blystone each together, had they been able to coalesce their campaigns into one, would have nosed out Mike DeWine for the Republican nomination. But DeWine won because he's Mike DeWine and because Renacci and Blystone divided the field of those who did not want to see Mike DeWine get back as the Republican nominee. So the Ohio primaries were interesting, but not as indicative of national trends, except that J.D. Vance was endorsed by Donald Trump, and Donald Trump still has a considerable amount of influence, although he does not have a perfect record. And as he said in my, in, in my interview with him, when he joined us after the Save, the, uh, Save America rally in Delaware a few months ago, he said, just wait until I lose one race. That will be the race that the media writes about. And indeed it is. Every time Trump is mentioned as a political endorser and people question whether he still has the kingmaker touch, they always bring up David Perdue in Georgia, endorsed by Trump, who lost by a wide, 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 wide margin to incumbent Governor Brian Kemp. And that is proof that Trump has lost it. Well, he didn't lose it with Dr. Oz. There's no way Dr. Oz would have won the Pennsylvania Senate primary on the Republican side without Trump's endorsement. I would dare say there's no way J.D. Vance would have won in Ohio. And I'm sure that that is something that probably keeps Josh Mandel up at night, most nights, and Mike Gibbons too. But we're getting to the point where it's pretty obvious that Once we get to the general election, I don't think Donald Trump's endorsement is really going to be needed by anyone because the most transformative label anyone can wear in this upcoming November election is, are you running against someone who is connected to Joe Biden via the Democratic Party? If the answer to that is yes... Are you running against someone who is connected to Joe Biden via the Democratic Party? Then you have a really, really, really good chance of winning. Because funny thing, people don't like paying $5 a gallon for gas. They don't like being told that Joe Biden is a fantastic president. And they really don't like it when it is Joe Biden who is the one who is telling them that. I don't want to hear any more of these lies about reckless spending. We're changing people's lives. For the worst, you are changing people's lives. People who have been living paycheck to paycheck for many, many years throughout many, many different presidencies of both parties have never had it worse than they have it now under you. I speak as one of those people. I've never before had to wonder, should I drive to the gym today or is that out of the way or... Wait, I need to go to Walmart. Where in the next three days am I going that I have to go, that I'll be going by a Walmart or I'll be going by a home supply store or whatever? These are things that I'm not alone in thinking. You're thinking them too. 
if you are in that middle class part of America. So we see the bloodbath that is coming in the fall in the result of a U.S. House election last night in Texas's 34th Congressional District, which is a district that shares 80 miles, 80 miles, with the Mexican border. The winner, Republican Myra Flores, is the first Mexican-born woman elected to the U.S. House. And you say, well, that's a heavily Hispanic district, Bruce. 84% heavily Hispanic. What's this big surprise that Myra Flores would win that seat? Well, the big surprise is that Myra Flores is the first GOP candidate to represent that part of Texas since 1870. Not 1970. Not when the big red machine was rolling. No, no. 1870. And she absolutely routed the Democratic candidate. This is, again, an 84% Hispanic district. And how did Myra Flores win it? With this campaign message. The liberal policies from Washington are tearing our community apart. As a wife of a Border Patrol agent, I pray for his safety now more than ever. I'm Myra Flores, and I approve this message because we must secure our borders and keep our families safe. You've been told that Hispanics want a wide open border, that they want people streaming across our southern border to be able to get into our country and get free stuff from Joe Biden, Alejandro Mayorkas, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and other Democrats. But the fact that Myra Flores won by underscoring the fact that she is Hispanic and is the wife of a Border Patrol agent advocating for border security, well, if that's not setting off alarm bells among Democratic strategists, then it's simply because they are as tone-deaf as their president. MSNBC columnist Eric Michael Garcia said this should be a five-alarm fire for Democrats. Yeah, it's going to be delicious to watch and see how badly the Democrats get beaten in November. The House is obviously going to turn GOP. But the Senate is not as certain to turn toward the Republicans. Although last night the right guy won in Nevada, and once again Donald Trump's endorsement made the difference. Adam Laxalt is the GOP nominee to face Catherine Cortez Masto. She is presumed to be the most vulnerable Democrat running for Senate in the fall. Laxalt has good name recognition. He was the attorney general in Nevada for four years. People seem to like law and order and low gas prices. If you can pound the pulpit on both of those two things, law and order and low gas prices, you are probably going to get elected in the fall. I've said before, even though he doesn't remember it, that I was in a entry-level journalism class at Ohio State with Dave Yost. 
the Ohio Attorney General. And I would not have bet back then. I got to ask Dave Yost this sometime. I would not have bet back then that Dave Yost was a Republican or a conservative. But you know what? I wasn't either. Maybe you weren't either. I've had people call the show and say, you know, uh, once I solidified my life according to my faith, I realized I couldn't be a Democrat anymore. I couldn't advocate for (laughs) killing babies in the womb. I couldn't advocate for taking from somebody and giving to someone else under the guise of that being uh, fair and equitable. Uh, It's not equitable to steal from someone and give to someone else who doesn't work for what they're getting. It's bad for their self-image. It's not going to help fix their problems. It's only going to enslave them more to handouts. So why am I talking about Dave Yost? Because he is among 26 Republican attorney generals across the nation who have written a letter to the Biden administration saying, hey, hey, pump the brakes on your blind adherence and expansion of Title IX to include LGBTQIA plus issues. Now, obviously, we do not want LGBTQ students discriminated against. Nothing I say on the show should be misconstrued to say that I am approving of anyone discriminating against bullying those who are gripped in the dysfunction of an LGBTQ lifestyle. But the federal government should also not hold public schools hostage to ingrain more woke policies and further the mental disconnect between a child's birth biology and their cognitive recognition of that reality by abiding them in their transgender lie. And the federal government is indeed trying to do that because they are threatening threatening schools across the country, 100,000 public and nonprofit private schools and residential child care institutions that participate in the National School Breakfast and Lunch Program. How are they threatening them? They are telling them that if they do not adopt federal guidelines on gender affirmation, and LGBTQ plus ideology. Well, sorry about it, but we're going to take your federal school breakfast and school lunch program away. Do you realize how many children this would affect? Of course, the schools are caught between a rock and a hard place here because it is very clear, very clear, from the way parents in Upper Arlington have pushed back against all gender bathrooms from the way that parents in the Olentangy School District have pushed back against kids being kids, elementary kids being given assignments to color the gender unicorn and advocate for non-binary students. Do you think your average Olentangy third grader has any clue what the term non-binary means? Well, I would say no, except that their teachers, some of them, have been indoctrinating them in those terms, which are, of course, well beyond, well beyond their ability to understand it. So I know the parents in Upper Arlington are not for this. I know the parents in Old Tangy are not for this. 
I know parents in rural districts are not for this. And so you're putting the schools in a position where the parents in their districts are not for this expansion of LGBTQ plus lifestyle demonstrations in their school. Oh, I left out, of course, Hilliard-Davidson, where Amanda from the Kaleidoscope Youth Center said, I know you teachers don't understand gender ideology, but 12-year-olds understand it perfectly. So this is touched virtually every district. And the pressure is coming from the feds that, hey, whatever you're doing, you're not doing enough. And the parents are saying, hey, whatever you're doing, stop doing it. You're doing way too much. And the schools are going to have to make a decision here unless Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost and the other attorney generals are able to talk some sense into the Biden administration, which has heretofore been uh, a an undertaking without reward. But the Biden administration says, you know what, if you don't honor what we say is reality when it comes to LGBTQ plus issues, which is, you know, glorify them. Don't just tolerate them. Don't just celebrate them. Glorify them. And you must indoctrinate the students in this ideology. Well, then we're going to rip the federal school and breakfast lunch program away from your school. Now, if that would happen and parents would really understand that the people to blame are the people in Washington, D.C., not the people in their local school district. The result from the midterm elections would be even more lopsided than it's going to be. Because how many families, now more than ever, with inflation the way it is, with food prices where they are, with transportation costs where they are, and how more now more than ever, when has there ever been a time building toward the fall and the beginning of the 2022-2023 school year when more parents will have relied upon schools and school lunch and breakfast programs to provide nourishment for their kids. There's never been a time, never been a time, more when that will be needed than now. And the Biden administration certainly has to know this. And so they feel like, hey, look, never let a crisis go to waste, right? We got poor families. We got hungry kids. Hmm. You kids like to eat? Really? You would? Oh, okay. Well, you know, we'd like to feed you, but your superintendent, your school board won't let us have books like Gender Queer in the library, which have graphic depictions of sex acts, which I know you're only a second grader or a third grader, and it'll probably traumatize you forever, but hey, it's all in the name of tolerance and diversity and equity and inclusion. Well, this is how partisan. These people are in Washington, D.C. This is how committed they are to their radical ideology, that they would use food for kids as a penalty if you don't agree with them on all things gender, identity, and sexual ideology. It underscores once again how incredibly evil they are. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.